Welcome to the Maverick CPA Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders and specialists about their maverick approach to business, opportunity, and life. The show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Jay Tompkins. Welcome to the Maverick CPA Show. This is Jay Tompkins. Today we have Matthew Miller with Awaken Wealth Partners. He and I have worked together for a while and he is a financial advisor and hopefully you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me, Jay. No problem. It's always it's always good to talk to you. I know we've had plenty of client meetings together. So first, uh, I guess, introduce yourself a little bit as Matt Miller from Awaken Wealth Partners. Yes. So my business partner and I, John Hoime, we started Awaken Wealth Partners in 2015. And I am the CEO and senior wealth advisor slash relationship manager. And John is our CFO and also relationship manager and senior wealth advisor. So John and I both started this business. We He's been in the business much longer than I have, but he's a, a great partner in business and a great friend of mine. And so we're proud to co-own Awaken Wealth Partners. That's awesome. So give me some details on Awaken Wealth Partners, maybe the type of client you work with, or you have a specific niche, something like that. Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. I, I think the client that we're most looking to work forward to, or excuse me, most looking forward to working with is those that want to plan. And the reason I start with that is because I think in in our industry, the the financial services industry, I think the word plan is overused. I think it's often used in many circles or many conversations. And in fact, it's a way to get to a product or it's a way to get to a service. And we don't view it that way. We look at planning from a holistic perspective. And What I mean by that is we want to help people plan for not only the future, but the present. And by that, for example, the way they enjoy their lifestyle or what they want to invest in their family and they want to invest in, in their children, or maybe they have an elderly parent that they want to help plan for. And those are all quality of life conversations and not quantity. Oftentimes, quantity is important. For example, if we're forecasting the future for retirement, it's very important. If we're trying to figure out how much we want to fund for college for one of our children or all of our children, then that's very important. But not everything boils down to a number. In fact, our podcast is Wealth Comes in a Variety of Forms. And one of the things that we try to emphasize is wealth is just one of the many ways, money, excuse me, is just one of the many ways that we can find wealth. We have relationships that are super valuable to us, and and there's wealth in that. There's knowledge. There's all types of various forms of wealth. And that's the client that we're looking to work with, is one who wants to plan out their future in many ways. We also, of course, have wealth management, and that's kind of a staple or uh, table stakes in our industry. We do that very well, and those two then – marry together to help a household accomplish their dreams and as well as address their fears. 
So I know that's a long-winded answer, but I like to hear out on this stuff. (laughs) You you said something key there, and a lot of people miss it, is that it's not a number, right? So I've worked with many clients with many different financial advisors over the years, and they focus on either a, a value of whatever investments they have, right? Or what's even worse is they focus on a rate of return, a number on that. And they do that because the industry says they should. And and they do that because they feel like they're getting something in return. But what they're missing is, well, what level of risk did you take to get that to make yourself feel good about what your investments are doing? Or really what's about is feeling like you're not going backwards and feeling like you're going to have enough, right? And so until you dig deep enough to go, well, what is enough? Well, you only know what's enough when you've decided how you're going to use it. That's right. Because if you haven't decided how you're going to use it, you don't know what enough is. And so it has to be this big, giant number so that you feel like your fear is diminished to, well, it doesn't really matter what happens. I have enough. As opposed to planning for exactly what you said, planning for what you want to use it for. That can be, I want to give a million dollars to each kid. That could be, I want to give no money to each kid. That, you know, all of those things. And you put that in the plan and you back into how you invest relative to your threshold of, of risk because that's the balance also. Someone may say, I want to give a million dollars to each kid and I've got 10 kids and you go, Let's see here. You're going to have to like hit a home run every other day. Right. And in order to do that is not possible or you're going to take way more risk than you're comfortable with. So is that really necessary or is that a a realistic goal? Right. And that's what I think a lot of people miss in financial planning is all of that other stuff is what's important. And then the result is the number. And so as long as the number is matching your goals, then you're doing what's right. Sit next to the water cooler and talk to somebody else about my investment return. Well, that's all relative. I mean, it's so subjective to so many different factors. It doesn't matter at all. Just like I get calls all the time early in the week, usually from the backyard barbecues of, well, my buddy's doing this or my buddy deducts that right from a tax perspective. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, we don't have the whole story. Second of all, here's how it would apply to you, right? So it's funny how people spin or talk about things. And too often people get hung in that investment return or a dollar value of what's important. And it simply isn't. And if that's how you're being treated for any of those who are listening out here in the world, I would suggest attempting to interview or find other advisors who maybe fit your mold better. And everybody has a different mold. So that's what's important. I I really enjoy a lot of the topics or points that you made in that. One, I, I think that if the conversation is always about performance, then more often than not, one might be outside of the risk tolerance they're willing to accept. That's one thing I would like to point out. Secondly, yep. I, I think one of the reasons why I enjoy planning so much is money provides a wonderful opportunity to improve communication. It is, a, it is an extremely valuable resource from a purchase perspective. It is also an extremely valuable resource from many other quality of life perspectives. For example, communication 
or the improvement of planning. And it's all of those things that you said and more, because if it only boils down to a number, then I equate that to someone that is trying to feel better about themselves by what maybe the scale says or what maybe their credit score is. And numbers don't define people. That will never be the case. And anyone listening in your audience, I would encourage them. No number should ever define you as a person. You are a human being. And the quality that you bring to your circles is extremely valuable. And it shouldn't boil down to a number. And again, I think that's why I enjoy planning so much. Well, and I would also layer on top of that. There's lots of good planners out there. There's a whole bunch of terrible financial advisors who want to be product salesmen, you know, that are trying to act like fiduciaries and they're not. But I would also contest anyone who is using a close family friend or a family member as their advisor out of default because they're your brother, sister, uncle, neighbor, right? Sure. That doesn't always create the right environment because uh, to be honest with you, even though as a CPA and we have a very trusted advisor relationship with our clients, ultimately, I think a financial planner is way above myself. And that being said, you have to have the right relationship with your advisor and don't feel, look out for yourself Don't feel bad just because you think you should use someone because it's your brother or uncle. If it works, great. But if you think it's not really working or you want to make sure you're in the right environment, go interview some other advisors and see. I mean, again, ultimately, you have to look out for yourself because ultimately that's all the that's part of what the advisor is doing too. They're providing for their family and yeah, they're providing a service and doing a great job at it. But that doesn't mean the planning side is being done appropriately for your needs and everybody's needs are different. Yeah. And and that's the problem. It's like people saying, well, I I have to go to the bank to get a loan. Well, which bank, what kind of loan? Well, I just, I'm going to go to the bank. Well, not every bank is a bank. Like you think right. it's a bank, right? right. So it, it's the same applies to any industry and you have to ask those questions. And it's ultimately even more important in a financial advisor scenario. So, I mean, it, it, this is good information for people to have. And again, just question. Don't feel That's bad. It. Even question your existing guy. Like if That's we're right. not doing this, why? And there may be a perfectly good answer for whatever it might be, but it doesn't mean you don't ask the question. That's right. And, you know, some of the questions in case somebody's asking, hey, Jay, hey, Matt, what are the questions? You know, some of the basics, I think, are very difficult to talk about with somebody that you may be related to. For example, hey, how much are you charging me for this wealth management? Or how much is this planning service? What are the fees in these internal operating expenses of these mutual funds? Or are there charges for trades, et cetera. Those are you know touchy subjects, but quite frankly, if those were not addressed at the beginning, in other words, if those were not simply volunteered at the very beginning of the conversation, that would be my yellow light or my red flag maybe. Because mm-hmm. in our industry, as I like to say, if someone's afraid to talk about money, where well, they're in the wrong industry. Yep, or or because it's a family scenario, that's what makes it afraid. Well, then automatically you're not in the right environment. That's right. 
That it just because something's not going to be said, something's not going to come out, or somebody's not doing their job when they should be, and that's not good for either party, right? That's so, right. Just I think keep you also that used the word. I think you also used a word earlier that's important to be further unpacked, and that's the fiduciary side. A lot mm-hmm. of, and you mentioned banks, and I'm not going to mention any names uh, in particular because I don't think that's wise. But I think it's very important for your audience and uh, everyone, quite frankly, to understand that there are two different aspects to this financial services industry. And there's the suitability side and then the fiduciary side. And my encouragement, and I know it's your encouragement as well, know the difference. Know the difference between someone who is always looking after your best interest and is volunteering the costs and fee structures compared to another that might not be as transparent and they might be providing something for you that is suitable. However, it is not the best for you. And these are these questions that you and I are encouraging everybody to ask. Well, and I think the key there, like you said, is fiduciary. And there are some organizations out there, again, I agree not mentioning names, that try to do both. As opposed to, I'm either a fiduciary or I'm not. That's right. And it's not necessarily the same person in an organization, but you're a client of X organization and they do both. So they are, and it's a natural bias and pressure to sell you a product as well as manage your money or do planning. And now there's a bias. There just is. It's human nature. It doesn't mean if you're the greatest guy in the world, there's bias and and you, then now you've broken some level of that fiduciary responsibility. Whereas if all you do is plan and manage money, then you are a fiduciary and you're sitting on the same side of the table as the client, as opposed to trying to sell them a product and make some sort of commission or whatever from it. And a lot of people don't know that and, and or don't realize it. So, A true fiduciary is where an advisor relationship should land. And then that advisor, let's say you need something like life insurance. They will go help you buy it, but they're not getting paid to buy it. That's the key difference. And so a lot of people don't realize there's, you know, huge commissions in product sales and of, you know, financial instruments and just be careful because what you could say is, oh yeah, they found me the best life insurance ever. Well, did they? Or did they find the one that was suitable, like you said, but happened to pay them the best commission? That's so right. It worked, think, it worked for you, but you didn't know the difference. That's right. And, and also be cognizant of the word free. You know, our, our mind works yeah, in, in very unique ways. We, we hear these trigger words and they're almost like clickbait for our mind. You know, free is a good example or other words that are used in the, the marketing of products. You know, free is... I just encourage people to dive further into what that means, because oftentimes with that, there is something we have to make money in order to you know, provide for our families and to as a business owner ourselves. We have to uh, make a profit for to ensure that we're here for the next 100 years or more. There's nothing wrong with making money or encouraging revenue. And. Again, if somebody is saying that they provide something for free, such as planning, I highly encourage everyone to dive deeper into that and to remember that you get what you pay for. 
and nothing is actually free in life, no That's matter exactly how much right. you think it is. It's not That's actually exactly right. free. It may yeah. feel free or look free. It's not free. And is, as, as we all know, we have that conversation with our kids and they want to try. Oh, yeah, it is. It's The air is free. Well, let me explain how the air is not free. You see this air yeah. conditioning unit right here? We have to pay exactly. to use it. So the air in the house is not free. Well, if yeah. I go outside right there, no, that you're standing on land that I got to pay property tax on. So yeah. the air above it's not free, you know. Of course, it drives them nuts. But anyway, it's sure. fun to do so. But yeah, so I, I once heard, and and we can land the plane on this. But I once heard something that really stood out to me, and and that is, if it's free, then you are the product. There you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, tell us about your family. Married, one daughter. <laughs> I'm super excited. The, the timing of this conversation is uh, kind of emotional, actually. Our daughter graduates in a month, and she is. She's just done an amazing job. I, uh, we were super proud of her. She graduated in three and a half years. She's a communication major and business minor. And my wife and I are just, we're just beside ourselves. I told her the other day that, hey, you know, you've done something that no, no, none of the, no one else in either of our families has accomplished. You know, I was the first one to go to school in, in my family. My wife had others that went to school in her family. So that was kind of a first for, for my family. But then, you know, our daughter graduates in three and a half years and a major and a minor. And she worked almost her entire time. And I think I shared with you recently, you know, I when helping her file her taxes. Last year, I called her and I said, babe, do you know how much money you made? <laughs> and it was it's just awesome, Jay. I, I appreciate the opportunity to share that. And, you know, as a dad, we like to brag on our kids, but uh, absolutely, she's awesome. Been married for uh, 16 plus years. And, you know, as I like to say, she's just awesome. She's super patient with me, probably more than uh, I am with her. She's just awesome. My wife is, a, is an amazing woman and I, and I couldn't be happier and with who she is and what she means to me. So you know, my parents are still alive. I'm thankful that they are very close to us. In fact, uh, this weekend is my mom's birthday. And so we get to go celebrate that with her and uh, break bread and enjoy that time. And yeah, so family is very important to us. Very important to us. Thanks for asking. Oh, so where's your daughter going to graduate from? Texas A&M. All right. Yes. That's, that's a good one. There's a lot of people who like that. Does she have any uh, job opportunities lined up? Yeah, she's working on those right now. In fact, tomorrow she's traveling to Dallas for a second interview. And I just love hearing her light up. Like when you're on the phone, you can just, you can hear them just light up. Like you can feel their shoulders and their, their back straight and their, you know, their chin up and you can just hear it verbally in their, their body language that they're excited about these things. And of course I start nerding out on that. I, I just, I love being a dad and you know, there's just so many of these things that she, she just hasn't experienced yet. And I just, I love those opportunities to to help her see that. So with a communication major, what, what is it that she's attempting to go do? Just naivety yeah, on my part. She's had some experiences with an energy company. She's had some experiences with, uh, I would say, organizations that promote people or other organizations. And I think she likes both. I, she likes the background of the web design and the communication with clients. And she also likes branding. That's kind of a sweet spot for me. I'm, I'm a big branding personality. I, I enjoy building business. So she and I and her mother have had the opportunity to, to speak to that. 
But I think that's really where her passion is. My encouragement to her and, and to quite frankly, everyone is to understand both your purpose and your passions and knowing that sometimes your purpose provides you the opportunity to enjoy your passion. And I call that the tortoise and the hare environment. You, know, you and I would have bet the farm on the hare, but we know who won. And right. I equate our passions to the hare and our purpose to the tortoise because, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And that's oftentimes equating, equating to our purpose, but don't, we can't forget about those things. So I think that's really what she enjoys most is being behind the scenes. She's definitely not one of those that likes to be front and center, maybe like me as an extrovert, but she is a, I mean, she does a, an amazing job at a team member. I, I love hearing her talk about that stuff. Well, that's awesome. And honestly, she's probably coming out of school at a really good time. I tell her that. I tell her that all the time. I appreciate you confirming that. I wish she could hear that right now because 18 months ago, we had a very open conversation, she and I, and she was concerned about when she was going to graduate. And I just simply told her, I said, I don't know why, because I don't own a fortune. I, I can't tell the future. I don't own a crystal ball, but I'm just telling you, I think that you're going to graduate at a perfect time. And I agree with you hundred percent because the remote workforce, in fact, uh, a friend of mine who owns an HR business, he and I were talking last night while unfortunately watching our Astros lose. Yeah, uh, We were talking about uh, a podcast that he and I are going to do. And this is a really very unique time in the history of this country and quite frankly, the world. You know, in this country, we have four generations working together for the first time ever. We also have inclusion as it should be. And we also have a global workforce that is able to provide benefits from remote work. And if you take those three human aspects, we are in the most unique and the most favorable work time in the history of of this country. And, and again, I would say globally, it's a wonderful opportunity. And I'm super excited about our daughter jumping in with both feet in this environment. Well, and I think it's interesting that it seems like nearly every industry is lacking people. Now, yes. I yes. don't, I'm not smart enough to know exactly how that has happened in the last two years because I kind of go, well, where did the people go? Because at this point, for the most part, people are back to work that want to be. And maybe that's the key difference that want to be. I don't know. I think that is the key difference. And I'm definitely not uh, learning on all these. But I will tell you, via dozens, uh, maybe if not hundreds of planning conversations that we've had since, I would say, the end of Q1 of this year, of 2021, because prior to that time, we've basically been in the pandemic for roughly a year, right? But about the end of Q1 of this year, via our planning conversations, what we began to learn, and you'll see it from the camper sales to the vehicle sales to home improvements or pools, most, if not almost all of our clients that own a business in some aspect or another are absolutely doing a phenomenal job I mean, capacity, quite frankly, they're maxed out. Mm -hmm. And I think what people are finding via these planning conversations is they have realized 
what maybe they had overlooked. Uh, I'll say it another way. I think that this pandemic or COVID as you know, people like to use different words for this um, past 18 months. What if this is an opportunity? And again, I'm, I don't want to overstate things. I'm super sorry for those who have lost loved ones. We ourselves went through some of that. But what if the past 18 months was the lesson for us and now's the test? And what I mean by that is we're human. <laughs> we go to work. We're kind of programmed to go to work, get up, drink our coffee, do what we do, get to work, do our 10 hours, come home. And we run at a pace that's so fast that, as a dear friend of mine, Darren, once said, we run at a pace that if we're not careful, we're going to have a rear-end collision with ourselves. Yep. And I think what this past 18 to 20 months has taught us is what we maybe took for granted. Because we learn that family or time at home, health, a lot of these things that I think we were uh, sold a bill of goods with the phrase work-life balance, that's the incorrect order. As we like to say, the sequence of our thought life matters. It's it's never work-life balance. It's life-work balance. That's the proper sequencing. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, our new normal is coming. And if we're not careful, we'll go, we'll get right back to it because we are creatures of habit. Yep. We'll get right back into that mode of which we will maybe pursue an opportunity that we think it's an opportunity to leave a, a workplace that we really enjoy for slightly more money, but a longer commute. If we're not careful, We'll forget what we just learned. And that's what we found with, again, with dozens or hundreds of these planning conversations that we've had. And we really want to help people adopt that new norm. Again, that's a quality of life. That's not a quantity conversation. Yes, you have to com- you, you have to talk about income. Yes, you have to talk about expenses and, and, and all those matters. But what if one stays full-time and one goes part-time so that we can enjoy a better quality of life. Because again, and we're only on this merry-go-round for a number of years and whatever that number is, I, I really would like to hope that we're maxing it out the best that we can. Well, and you made a great point. And my wife and I actually realized this in the first few months of the lockdowns, you know, forced home situation, which was, you know what? We've got three kids and we were taking all their activities way too seriously, right? In the effort of wanting to be the best you can be, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but you also don't have to commit so much of your time or effort to it unless you want. And that's the key thing. I think too many parents out there force their kids to do things or because their kid may be pretty good at whatever they're doing, somehow think now they got to pay play the next elite, the next whatever, the next whatever, and and potentially the answer that's a good answer for that kid if they want to. And the simple test is this: if the kid wants to go to practice when practice comes around, take them, go, absolutely great, enjoy it. But if they don't want to go, why? 
Yeah. Are they tired? Oh, the school was long, whatever. Is the team environment not good? There's some reason, right? Yeah. And so instead of forcing it because you've signed up and paid the money, right? Just stop. Enjoy what they're doing, right? Like it's okay. Think about when we grew up, we didn't have something to do every night of the week. That's right. That's right. No, maybe you had practice one night a week or you didn't really have real organized sports until you were in junior high to really high school, right? So again, if the kid wants to be there and excited and they're ready to go, but if you have to force them, challenge that environment. Something's totally not working. I totally agree with you. And in so fact, like, go ahead. For, well, for example, my oldest son, he quit soccer. It became too political. He had played for 13 years. And was he great? Not really. Was he decent and pretty good and had fun with it and has a whole bunch of friends for life probably from it? Yes. But he was like, I'm just tired of the politics and the mess of it. And I was like, well, if you're not having fun anymore, stop doing it. Okay. So he did. And he supposedly, we'll see if he does or doesn't, is going to join the powerlifting team at high school. But we'll see if that happens. He's built built for it. And then my daughter has been great with soccer. She's even taken it more seriously now and potentially will be a freshman playing varsity soccer at at the high school level. Fantastic, right? But she does it on her own. The coach told her she needed to improve her mile time on a Friday. The next Saturday, she was up at 7 a.m. and went and ran our neighborhood before her 10 a.m. soccer game for her club team, of which she went out and scored two goals. So I didn't tell her to do that, right? I didn't say, okay, well, if you've got to prove your time, got to do this, and oh, I'm going to make sure I wake you up. No, if they want to do it, they'll do it. And then my youngest, who played soccer all his life, got tired of some of the issues with the team and said, you know what? I want to try basketball. Okay, let's try basketball. And he's having a good time doing it. In fact, sometimes he doesn't want to go to practice. Why? Well, I'm kind of tired. And he's saying this while he's outside in the driveway shooting hoops. So (laughs) he's still doing something because he wants to. And then everybody is just happier. You know, what I really enjoy about hearing that story from you is I love my parents dearly. But, but, and the other shoe is not going to drop. But what I encourage everyone to understand is no, no matter how great your upbringing was, there are some things that we bring to our households that can improve. And I'll use a specific example, and I promise I'm, I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. But, you know, I once heard someone said, hey, what's wrong with letting your kids sing at the dinner table? Isn't that really what the dinner table is about? Being with your family? Mm-hmm. And you know what? It took somebody telling me that to recognize that, you know, I, growing up, you know, it was kind of you ate at the table and you sat down and, and there, you, you know, it wasn't sit down, shut up and eat. And I'm not saying that at all, but is there were rules and maybe traditions that we did that needed to be revised or changed. And where I'm going with these things is I wish I would have learned that earlier because I would have loved earlier to Let's cut up at the dinner table because, quite frankly, the dinner table is a place to meet and break bread because that's what we do as adults. We do that. And when you're talking about your children, I love enjoying those stories because what most of our children are wanting to do, what I would quite frankly say what all children want, 
is to be inspired and to be loved and to be comforted and to be challenged and and to know that they're free to make decisions and make mistakes because we all make them. Yep. And I just enjoy how you shared that because our daughter was the same. I would add to that. Our daughter was wanting to do some club volleyball and I kind of did the same thing. Hey, look, they're going to make you, they're going to make you practice. I want you to know what your mother and I are going to, to uh, be required to pay for that. And at an age of which maybe most aren't willing to include their children in, I highly encourage parents to start talking about these adult conversations, not making them become an adult, but start, I call it a soaker hose. You're slowly acclimating them to these adult conversations rather than just putting them in adult environments and making them force majeure learn. And that's what I heard you say in that is I I just really enjoy allowing a child to have the autonomy to make decisions and know that their decisions are safe. Well, actions have consequences. I say that to them all the time. I also tell them like, you know, your choice, you have to own it. And it actually took me until I started at my first job to realize that mistakes were okay as long as you owned it and figured out how to fix it. Yeah. Because, and honestly, if someone you're dealing with is unreasonable enough to think that whomever you're using or whatever service you're providing, they're going to be perfect all the time, then you don't need to deal with them anyway. Right. Right. They don't need to be your client or whatever. Right. And so I learned early on and I tell all my team and all my kids, like, look, you're going to mess up. You are. Just admit it, figure out how to fix it. And a reasonable person on the other side will go, Okay, because they know they make mistakes, too. And so if you try to hide behind it or blame somebody else or ever somebody else did this, that therefore it caused me, that's the I'm sorry. First of all, that's bad leadership. No matter what level you are in your organization, it is never someone else's fault ever. If you take ownership of it and everyone takes ownership of it, Ultimately, the leader of any group should take ownership of it. Everything works. And so there's some great books out there on that sort of thing. And and there's one I'm trying to think of uh, written by a couple of um, army guys. Um, Army may be the wrong thing. So people out there don't, you know, don't haze me for that. But it was ultimately, you know, if you send a platoon or whatever out into some project and something goes wrong, well, because somebody did something wrong. Well, it all the way is up the chain as to why that happened, right? Was it training? Was it communication? Was it information? Something broke down along that chain. And ultimately that comes down to the person at the top, the leader who's responsible for that because something broke in the chain. Well, what broke? Well, there was some process, procedure, communication, something that broke. And Again, if everyone owns their role, then this solution finds itself. And it's not this big craziness of trying to defend yourself because you think you did right. I think what I really enjoy about that is you take what you and I do for a living and and how we met. As I stated earlier on, planning is the linchpin to success, in my opinion. And just FYI for your audience and, and everyone else who's listening. When, when I speak of planning, and I can comfortably speak for Jay as well, when we speak of planning, 
we're not talking about foreseeing of the future. Planning for us is more of preparation. And as we like to say, it's easier to prepare than repair. And what I really enjoy about planning and going back to what you just said is when you have a household and you have a safe environment, just like what we were talking about for our children, and you have an an environment that encourages communication and you have an environment that encourages transparency and vulnerability, when you have all of these very unique ingredients in an environment, it is amazing what can happen because one is comfortable about talking about their dreams where the other one is comfortable about talking about their fears. And as you said earlier, you know, no one is perfect. It's also very important to everybody that we all have fears. We all have things that we don't want to address or that we fear and it's okay. What's important is to talk about, I'm super excited to to see some of these athletes that are openly talking about how they deal with anxiety or how they de- deal with or how they're working through other mental concerns that they have. Because forever, as long as you and I can remember, I remember growing up, you know, basically, you needed to look like that that person who sat on the horse with a yellow slicker and they were sitting in the rain and they were tough as nails and you didn't cry, you know, cause real men don't cry, you know, and all mm-hmm. this stuff needs to go away. It just needs to go away. And, and we need to provide these environments of which people can be people. They can be human beings willing and able to talk about, again, these dreams and these fears and all that comes through planning which is how you and I initially met because what I enjoy about our working relationship is, you know, we've been programmed to file taxes. But when I ask the question, Hey, tell me about your tax planning. I get what's what I call the dog head. Look, you know, you, your dog's looking at you and they tilt their head sideways and they're going zoinks. What are you talking about? Because we, people don't do planning for their taxes. They we're just programmed to file our taxes on this date. And if you don't do that date, well, then you do this other date later in the year. Right. And that, again, is one of those, I call it some EQ. It's an emotional intelligence conversation. There are a lot of people who absolutely hate, hate these two dates in the year because they do not want to do it. Well, some of those conversations, if they're addressed, they can have some of their fears mitigated or they can in speaking with a professional like yourself or like us as at awaken, we can help them or quite frankly, we can do it for them. How about that? I don't know how many conversations I've had with people. I I asked them, Hey, tell me about your relationship with your accountant or your CPA. And they're like, I don't have one. And I look at them and tell them one of the most important people in your financial life should be your accountant. Because again, if you're seeing free commercials on television, you know, hey, it's just a hook. It's clickbait. Most of us should have these trusted advisors in our life, whether it's an attorney, uh, a CPA, advisors such as us. I would go so far as to say marital counselors or people that you can speak to if you're a spiritual person, your pastor, whatever it may be. Have these you know, knights of the round table that surround you and, and they're advocates for your life because, again, 
I think that's why I'm such a big proponent of planning. It's, it's a quality of life thing. And I just enjoy the fact that I've gotten to know you and others that you work with because it's super important for people to know that they don't have to do this on their own. They don't. And it's super important that they know that not only do they not have to do it on their own, there are people like yourself and us and others that really want to help them do an amazing job and be their advocate. Well, and it's also not as painful as they think. And what, so yeah. they, what they realize is they put the pain, especially around taxes, because they have to pay money. And nobody wants to do that. I don't care who you are, whether it's a dollar or a million dollars, no one wants to do it. So then they put it off, which makes it more painful, right? right. So yeah. if you plan for it, though, right. although the number may not be any dramatically different, maybe it's more spread out depending on when you pay it. But when there's a plan, now there's not a surprise. And when there's not a surprise or you set an expectation that was wrong, okay, it doesn't feel good, but it doesn't feel nearly as bad, right? And so that's where people miss on the planning side. And that applies to taxes or even financially. Because financially, if you don't plan, well, maybe you do okay, but maybe you don't or you don't know. And you have this fear that I just have to accumulate until I die. And then, well, what fun was that? That's right. right. So it's a balance. And it goes back to that initial thing you said about balance and the word balance. And actually, I I haven't used work-life balance in many years. I call it or I shifted it to work-life integration, right? You're integrating the two. You're not balancing one for the other. That's really hard to do in these days, right? It's okay. I'm going to integrate how I do both successfully and not sacrifice one for the other, right? So again, I think the balance word was overused or, you know, just like retirement, I use air quotes. I'm I'm talking to myself here. Retirement. A lot of people these days don't ever retire, what they do is they change. That's right. Yeah, they we change call their season. environment, right? They go from working a job to consulting or something else, or they have even their investments. A lot of people don't realize that's a job too. And even if you have an advisor, that's a job too, managing your income. And so it, it's just, again, it, it, retirement is something that happened back when you worked in a factory for 40 years and then you stopped working and started living. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. So. Yeah, and it really didn't work very well back then because no. many people were just simply exhausted and they didn't realize that they they have been exhausted for years. And unfortunately, they put their feet up and that didn't last very long. But you're exactly right. We call that a, the new season or the second season, uh, a new phase, uh, hybrid retirement. It's very important for everyone to remember that When you leave a career, it is very important that you're staying active, both mentally active, physically active, Mm -hmm. investing in your communities. You know, earlier you'd said the full-time job. We like to remind everybody that maybe you've never recognized it before, but you have more than one full-time job. If if you're married, that's a full-time job. If you have children, that's a full-time job. If you are employed, that's a full-time job. We have many full-time jobs. And again, I I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's super important to invest in that priorities. What's the most important aspects of our life and and prioritize those things and then plan for them. And I think tier structures to priorities 
are important. You have your, what is the very most important thing in your life? And typically that's one thing, if maybe not two, and then tier two, and then tier three. And then to help converse, converse with these things in your household. Again, I, I'm a, I nerd out on planning, but I, I think the more that we communicate about these things, the better, because to your point earlier, when you said the word surprises, man, nobody likes surprises unless it's Christmas or your birthday. That's it. Or an anniversary or something. We do not like surprises that catch us off guard and, and maybe a, a blind spots. So I, I just wanted to share that with everybody. When, when you choose to end your career and what you're doing, before you do that, I call it practicing retirement. Practice retirement. If you think that just ease a conversation, we'll use 65. Then if you think you're going to retire at 65, start practicing retirement in, at 61, 62. Start learning a new hobby or start finding out what part of your community you want to invest in, what nonprofit you want to volunteer time in, and start practicing these things before. Because if you immediately, a day, day whatever it is, you stop doing this, and then new day one is your new life. That's like a New Year's resolution, and, and we all know New Year's resolutions don't work very well. No, yeah, many of them don't. They, they last a few months or maybe a year, and then you're on to something else, so That's for right. sure. Well, what else would you like to give any nuggets of information maybe that you've learned through your financial planning role and with your clients that are some of the top, like, wow, that guy made that huge mistake or something like that. You know, people love stories and obviously, you know, redact any names and so forth, but anything sure. you got there. I, I think of several, I think, I think it's very important that we all remember that although we may not enjoy planning in our work environment, because maybe we were not shown or mentored Maybe it was something that was just dropped on our desk and say, hey, plan out next year. I, I want to encourage you, if, if that's you, planning for your personal life doesn't have to be that way. I would start with that. I think of a story of, of a couple that one wants, and this is quite common, actually. We have one that wants to meet with us and another that maybe doesn't. And we encourage both to be here because there's a reason that exists. And again, I'm a big EQ fan. So we try to unpack that. And what we found was after one of the two that didn't want to be here, after that individual realized, I'm trying to remove the he's and she's, just so you know. Right. Uh, after that individual found out that we actually are an advocate for them, then all of a sudden, <laughs> it was, hey, it's time to talk about this and this. And that one was the one to respond faster. And it was just really neat. I, I, I call it the Christmas party invite. I, I tell our team, hey, when we're invited to, the, to a Christmas party or, or we're invited to a 50th anniversary dinner or we're invited to these things, that's when we know that we're impacting people's lives. That's when we know that something we're doing is of value to them. And at the end of the day, much like our relationship has grown over the years, 
most people in today's environment, although we have social media, we've grown more distant than we have close. And proximity matters. Proximity matters in our home life and our work lives. And I, I, I highly encourage whoever is listening. Again, you've heard the word advocate many times, but know that there are people like you and like us here at Awaken Wealth Partners that want to be someone's advocate. And I specifically think about that couple who one wanted to be here and the other didn't. And man, it was cool to see the the tides rise for all ships. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and I'm sure we could talk forever, but I'm yeah, pretty sure yeah. we would lose listeners at some point. So <laughs> I don't consider either one of us that interesting, or maybe that's yeah, just me. Exactly. But, yeah, exactly. but that being said, I really appreciate you being here and taking the time and look forward to working for, with you more in the future. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jay. And, and again, I just want to thank you for your working relationship and the friendship that we've developed. And I wish you the very best. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And there it is. Another fantastic episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at mavericcpa.com, and you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at bakertilly.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.